Today's episode of Beyond the Rut is sponsored by Capshow, which is the ultimate AI content marketer for entrepreneurs who podcast, vlog, or live stream like yours truly. Stay tuned throughout this episode to discover more ways you can use Capshow for your content. For now, let's get straight into the episode. The heart that I have is for Asian American leaders that are in mid to level leadership positions, like C-suite, new leaders in their 20s and 30s, right? That realize, hey, you know what? The rules I followed growing up aren't working anymore, right? Uh, the rules I followed in, you know, in my household don't apply well to school. They don't apply well to work. It's a different culture. And even the ones that are successful, right? To say, hey, I've gotten all these things that my mom and dad said I needed to be successful. And why am I not more satisfied, right? You realize you just graduated to a different set of challenges. Do you feel like you're stuck in a rut in life or in a dead-end job with no progression? I'm Jerry Dugan, and welcome to Beyond the Rut, the podcast that offers you the motivation, inspiration, and practical tools to help you build a life worth living. My show is here to help you break free from your limitations and find a path to success. Join me as I share encouraging stories and actionable advice on how to get out of your rut in life and create a vision for your future. Life is just too short to live stuck in a rut. Here we go. Hey, Rudder Nation, this is your host, Jerry Dugan, and in this episode, we're going to be joined by leadership coach and consultant, as well as pharmacist, Jerry Fu. Now, you heard that right. There is another Jerry. You can have two Jerrys in the same place at the same time, and we do not create a time-space rift. Now, that's me nerding out, but the important thing is... Jerry helps Asian leaders in corporate America find success in terms of communicating cross-culturally and overcome some of the limitations that the Asian culture may find themselves in, uh, in a world where we may not be aware. Now, as somebody who is biracial and half Asian, uh, my mom's from Thailand, this was a topic near and dear for me. So if you're a leader and conflict is something you struggle with, we're going to talk about some of the key things that you could do to be better at conflict, understand why conflict is important to have, it's valuable to have, and the rules to play by so that you can be successful and create win-win scenarios. So that's what we're going to be talking about. Grab a notebook, a pen, sit back, relax, and here we go. All right. Hey, Jerry, thanks for joining me out of Houston, Texas. How are you doing? I'm doing great this morning, Jerry. How about you? Doing well, man. Doing well. And, uh, Official first time ever I've had a guest on the show named Jerry. Uh, so everybody, if you hear me saying Jerry, I did not forget Jerry's name. His name is Jerry, just like he spells it the same way, too. So um, I'm excited. It's like talking to me, but different. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Now, we met through a platform called Podmatch. I always love to give Alex a shout out. So the reason why we got Jerry on here is uh, what really stood out for me is that your current career and business path is helping specifically Asian Americans navigate and manage conflict. Uh, but that's not where you started. You started as a pharmacist, which is not easy to get into. I mean, you have to go through some sort of undergrad work. You got to get through that no man's land of a course called organic chemistry one and two, uh, which weeds out like almost everybody except the few. And then you have to actually get into pharmacy school. And that's what, at least three years. And you come out with, a, I believe, a doctoral program or a doctorate degree, uh, a PharmD, I think. And, and then you got to go convince a pharmacy to let you work for them. And then 
that's just the start of it all. Now you get the weight of people's lives in your hands, especially if you're in a hospital setting. I, I worked in healthcare for, uh, gosh, close to a decade. So, you know, a lot of respect for pharmacists because in almost every treatment plan, there's the pharmacist who's got to calculate everything, double check everything, make sure that the right dosages are going to the right floor for the right patients and they're locked up and secured and everything's tracked. And then you got to inventory everything. And then, you know, heaven forbid somebody tries to steal a narcotic. It's like, oh boy, <laughs> so no easy field whatsoever. And then, uh, so that's where you started. Um, what was it that made you transition from being a pharmacist to now helping people navigate conflict like what was that moment like yeah yeah um the theme in my pharmacy career that helped kind of be the genesis of the of this new uh career aspiration was that leadership saved my career in that i grew up conflict averse right i'm not allowed to bring up things when i'm upset um i'm afraid when people are upset with me somehow that would you know make things difficult for me or be hit on my reputation or my desire to be liked. And so after enough struggle and failure, the problem was I just thought, I'm never going to be good at this. So I'm just going to avoid situations for the rest of my life that would make me look incompetent, right? Like being a leader and having difficult conversations. And it wasn't until I my career hit a rough patch where I got fired from the job I was in Houston for. Uh, I ended up having a job where for my paycheck spouse only for crooked doctors. And how do you confront the boss wow. is completely ripping you off? Yeah. Right? And so it wasn't until I was invited to help teach some leadership material uh, through a pharmacy leadership nonprofit, some friends run. And that's when things started to change, where I realized, hey, you know what? What if I gave myself permission to be a, a good, uh, right? No, that I would actually be cop. And so the first moment was, hey, will I allow myself to become this? You know, even if other people disagree with me, even if other critics, I felt like I agree with them before. But what if I disagree with them, right? What if I could just be the person that I want to become, regardless of who thought I could actually get there then the second moment was when i got written up by management after i'd taken out a management position because i was not willing to write up or fire bad technicians and i realized that this theme of difficult conversations was the main obstacle keeping me from being an effective leader like i can i can you know do a task list i can be productive i can you know prioritize you know on the clock it's easy but if someone's not pulling their weight and i have to oh I got to put on the superhero costume. I got to put on the bad cop hat. And it just, it just got really difficult. And so that's at some point, even though I was grateful for the fact that being a leader, having more leadership experience, opened more pharmacy doors in terms of jobs, I just got sick of the grind. And then I said, well, after my last company went under because of a business model that was ultimately unsustainable, I said, you know, I'm tired of chasing scripts from doctors. I'm tired of fighting insurance contracts that dictate what I'm worth, or what my, my effort is worth, what my schooling is worth. But I love this people development, which I consistently done since I started 11 years ago. What if I tried to make a career out of that? And then, again, still very scared of rejection and failure and, you know, conversations around money, right? And so it was just this occasional hobby. Like, you pay me 50 bucks to teach a workshop, right? Like, nothing, nothing serious until the pandemic hit. And by then, I was in the middle of a formal coach training just to try to add some credibility and get some skin in the game. So between the pandemic and turning 40, I just said, okay, when am I actually going to set this tree in motion? So that was what led me to start the company. And then I realized I had to niche down because telling people I could help anyone really didn't make me stand out or 
you know, didn't really get anyone inspired. But when I started to realize, hey, you know what, this niche that maybe I didn't choose it, maybe it shows me because I didn't want to conversation, but I realized after I struggled enough with it that I, you know what, I actually got some tips along the way that have actually helped me improve at this. And then I wanted to turn around and help other Asian leaders uh, deal with similar things so that they would have a higher chance of success from the get-go when they knew, hey, I've got a new leader hat on. Either I have a boss I don't really quite get along with or I have direct reports that pulling the way. Okay, I have a five-step process to be sure I don't fall back into uh, rationalizing and procrastinating and avoidance. Yeah, and, um, you know, before we go into that process, uh, you know, looking specifically as an Asian American, I'm, I'm, I'm one as well, although I, I probably look more Latino. Um, and I say Latino like I am Latino. <laughs> You've been in Texas long enough. Yeah. I have. Yeah. I married into this place. Uh, my wife's actually, uh, Mexican American out of Corpus Christi. Um, so, you know, what is it though about conflict that would make you averse to conflict? I mean, you hinted at it earlier, but like specific to the Asian American community, why is conflict a big no-no for us? Yeah. Uh, the story around conflict and at least in Asian culture. So at least from what I have experienced is that conflict means you disagree with authority. And if you disagree with authority, that means you're disrespecting you. Plus it's just exhausting knowing that I have to put out this fire and oh like even if you come to resolutions you're like I don't want it right <laughs> you just and so even if you're good at it you still get to a point where you just wish that you either prevent it more proactively than you did previously but yeah the main thing is just that yeah we we're just taught hey we're not allowed to speak up we're not allowed to challenge even if the ideas are good and we have to let everyone else have their say before we get a chance to say anything and yeah, it's hard when, oh, we only got two minutes left in the meeting. Anyone else have any comments? And you're like, oh, I guess let's just put this off until next meeting. And then, you know, three or four weeks pass by and that, yeah, you realize now you're really upset because you have this really great idea or something that's really important to you that you know is important for the rest of the leadership. Uh, but you haven't brought it up yet. So and that's, yeah. that's huge to point out because I know uh, in typical, like, uh, I guess, non-Asian American culture, uh, that's seen as being like a doormat or you don't have any opinions or, uh, and I think Microsoft a couple of decades ago had realized that they were losing out on great Asian candidates because what they thought was a sign of weakness or meekness was actually just deference and respect. Uh, and it just simply had to do with, um, you know, Asians looking down away from mm. you know direct eye contact to the person interviewing them not realizing that that, that was a cultural thing um, and then more recently and this isn't to get political but uh, Catherine Tai was on c-span recently this clips floating around uh, the social medias uh, and I forget who the representative was but the guy was just like patronizing her uh, so Asian American in a leadership role I believe she's with the US Treasury that's a guess Um but he's just patronizing her about what a hard job she has because she's so nice and he believes that she's too nice for the job and she's smiling and she's being polite and she's trying to respectfully redirect this guy and get back to the point. Uh, but he's still patronizing her about being too nice for the job and he feels bad for her and all, and so on. And it gets to the point where she has to flip a switch and say, all right, if you want me to be blunt here, I'm being blunt. I know when to be blunt and direct and I know when to be nice. And with that said, I don't need your pity. So can we get back to the questioning? You're like, yes. <laughs> like you mistook her niceness and politeness for weakness and it bit you on C-SPAN. And I love it. And, um, 
But that is, in essence, something that we had to learn consciously and intentionally to to override and, and stretch out of. And when done well, you know, you got some stuff to gain. And um, But, like, what's at risk for us? I, I mean, you kind of pointed it out. Like, what's at risk for us if we don't have a conflict at all? Um, things fester. You wind up getting fired. People start quitting. Uh, I worked in, you know, healthcare, and uh, this was a lot of the feedback we would get from uh, nurse leaders. Why don't you confront that nurse who's causing so much trouble? Well, she'll quit or he'll quit. And I'm already short on staff. And it's like, great. What's the cost of keeping that person without any sort of conflict with how they're behaving? And they'll tell you, well, I already had two charge nurses quit uh, in the last couple of months because nothing will happen to this person. And we just got this revolving door and they just keep saying this one person's the problem. It's like, great. So why are you keeping that problem around? You know, uh, you want to keep the nurse, but you're also keeping the baggage that's coming with the nurse. So what? do you have to gain if you have conflict and it goes well? And so that, that's the message for everybody. Um, and I, I, I do kind of want to point this out specifically for us Asian Americans. Like, what do we have to gain if we have that conflict and it goes well? Stay with us. We'll be right back. And now let's talk about how you can use Show to repurpose and market your content. If you have a business like me, you can upload your cornerstone long-form content like podcast episodes or YouTube videos, into CapShow, and it will create all your content marketing assets for you. And here's the coolest part. CapShow is more than just a robotic AI tool. It's a powerful blend of artificial and human intelligence designed by marketers to help you organically reach more of the right people on more platforms. Go to beyondtherut.com slash CapShow, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day trial and see for yourself. Now, back to the show. Yeah, I mean, it's part of, yeah, we look at the opportunity cost, right? And they say, the cost of my comfort is, yeah, I lose good people, right? Because they say, well, I don't want to work around this problem if you're not going to confront it. And you also are burnt out, right? You just dread going into work because you're just sitting there thinking, oh, like, I don't want to have to hope that they're actually going to be productive or focused or, you know, contributing today, right? Instead, you just need to have that conversation. And I tell people now, I realize now, I said, you know, if I'm going to have a relationship go south, they should know exactly why I'm upset <laughs> with them, right? If they're just going to not pull their weight anyway, they should know exactly why I'm upset with them. And then even if I'm mad at the fact that they've still decided not to change, unless they got this off my chest, right? That that much, you know, to give ourselves permission, and I'm this is I'm still a work in progress, guys. You know, to give ourselves permission that we are allowed to be upset at something, and to know that our opinion counts for something, even with with or without a title, right? To say, hey, no, like I matter. I'm I'm part of this organization. If you're especially if you're a leader, the the organization is counting on you to yeah make sure you maintain your team well. And yeah, um, when you realize the cost of not engaging is worse than trying and failing. Um, or not getting the outcome that you want, uh, then that's that's when the switch is that flip, right? And you, yeah. especially in a leadership position. Yeah, yeah. and uh, you know, serving the greater good does involve having those one-on-one conversations. And you know, I, I'm convinced, and this was a big mindset shift for me as well when it came to conflict, because I'm, you know, I still struggle with it, and you know, I, I've gotten better at navigating it. Uh, in fact, you know, this morning I was typing up an email to to uh, somebody who. Uh, flaked on an interview a few days back and I still hadn't heard from the person who set up the interview. And I'm like, Mm. all right, well, you know, 
only because this person's representing somebody I know through other circles. Um, I owe it to that person to let this assistant know they, they dropped the ball here. Uh, but I mean, the first email was like, look, this is the second time this company has bailed on me. This is not a good look on your brand. You know, this is it. I'm done. Unless your owner of your company reaches out to me personally, we're done. And like, that was the, that was the initial email. Wow. Well, that's not constructive though. Like that's how I feel. (laughs) (laughs) It's not constructive. And so I, I reworded it and I let them know though, that, you know, your boss, your, uh, my, your client, my guest, your boss, uh, was not present for our scheduled time. Um, I hope everything is okay. Um, however, you know, I typically wait to hear from the guests before I reschedule. And it's only because I know of this person or know this person through overlapping circles that I'm extending this courtesy. Uh, please let me know, uh, you know what happened and uh, what your, your boss would like to do from here. And, you know, sincerely, boom. So I'll, I'll still clear, like, here's the boundary. You, you flaked on me. You didn't tell me why. Um, I normally don't reschedule unless I've heard from the guest asking for a reschedule. Um, so to respect both of our times, what would your client like? And, and I left it at that. Um, and, but I mean, that took some practice that, you know, that took years to get there. Um, and the point I wanted to make though, was like the, the thing that shifted my mindset, I don't know if this is the case for you is realizing that people don't wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to be the worst possible employee I can be when I go into work today. Like they don't think that they don't get up and say, I'm going to be the most annoying coworker I can be today. Um, and, you know, it, they might get to the point where they're like, I want to make my boss's life a living hell today. You know, there's a lot of disengagement that got them to that point. Uh, but the typical person isn't thinking they're going to be a horrible person. Uh, they're thinking the opposite. And so once I realized that and gave that person the benefit of the doubt that they're meaning well, however, their behavior is having an impact, uh, it allowed me to approach somebody in a way that was collaborative and saying, hey, you have this behavior. It's having this impact. Can we talk about it? And ever since I took that approach, doors open. You know, some people get defensive, but you know, you just maintain the, those grounds. Like I'm, I'm trusting you. You didn't wake up this morning to be a bad person. So let's start there. And uh, so going into those five steps you were talking about, tell us about those, like that framework that you've developed that'll help people take that same approach with that same mindset to resolve conflict. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you touched on some really great points, and we'll highlight them as we go through the framework. So. The first step that I have myself or other clients go through is to imagine what a successful conversation actually sounds like, right? And so this gets you out of the mindset of, I don't think this is going to go well, but I got to do it anyway. If you put a low ceiling on on the possibility, that's as far as you're going to get. Right? So to allow yourself to say, well, success might not be likely, but it is possible. That is something that gets you in a more productive frame of mind. And then you have to realize that, you know what? Success could mean a couple different things, right? So let's say, let's say, let's let's overlay a real life situation, right? Where it's like, okay, you know, my kid's not cleaning his room or something like that, right? You just like familiar because we know how familiar conflicts just are the hardest. So it's like, hey, can't get my kid to clean my room. I hit his room. It's like, okay, what is success? Is it I I incentivize him financially, you know, or provide some kind of incentive and say, hey, clean your room and I'll buy you, you know, tickets to your favorite concert or something, right? Or you know, is it, hey, I need to, 
find some compromise where even if he's not cleaning his room, maybe he finds some other choice he'd rather be more excited about doing. Maybe that's a possibility. And hey, you know what? Maybe it is just, hey, at least I get this off my chest. And even if he doesn't do anything, I'm okay with the fact that at least he knows I'm expecting of him to believe for his benefit. Um, and so you have to ask yourself, well, you know, which target am I heading toward? Because as soon as you get that, then you allow yourself to be flexible because we would never say that effective conflict resolution is like twisting someone's arm to conform to your uh, personal preferences, right? So we are not doing that, but we are asking, you know, what would, what outcomes would you be satisfied? The second step is what a lot of people love, which is finding 10 seconds of courage. And that's to, hey, can you find 10 seconds of courage to send that email, pick up that phone, go talk to the person, right? Because this allows you to set the boulder in motion, lock the gate behind you, because what happens if we wait until we're, we feel like we're brave enough to have this conversation? It might be weeks, right? The, the building burnt down. Finally, I'm ready, but the building's already burnt. So, you know, what's the point of finally feeling ready, right? You don't have to get out of the whole superhero costume. You just have to wear it for 10 seconds, right? Just, hey, that's due to be secure. Step three, now that you've kind of set things in motion to either set a date for a conversation or to initiate the conversation, some people may want to script their moves, which is step three, before initiating contact. But, you know, so you can shuffle these around. But typically, once you've got a date on the calendar, now you need to prepare for it. So step three is to script your critical, right? To say, hey, you know what? Okay, I need to get my kid to clean his room. What are some points I want to mention? To echo Dale Carnegie, to your point, right? How can you, like, one one approach you can take is how can I frame the benefits for their benefit, right? Hey, I'm not doing, I'm not asking to clean my room so I feel good about myself as a parent or I feel like things are under control. Here are the benefits for you to clean your room, right? And so you imagine not only your the case that you want to make on paper, right? You, you don't want thoughts rattling around in your head. Get them out on paper. Okay, I want to make the point that, hey, when he needs to find something, he can find it more easily. Um, number two, he can just feel better uh, and more relaxed in the room that's clean, right? And you start to think, and, and so now that you've got your points down, now you have to anticipate the pushback you're going to get, right? That's like, hey, I need to ask my boss for a raise. What are the likely reasons that my boss would not uh, to support this? Same thing. How Even if I frame, you know, benefits for my kid to clean his room, how might he say, well, you know, I just don't want to. Oh, you know, I'm too tired. Oh, I'm too busy with other things. That's like, okay. So now that you anticipate the ways that this conversation might go south, how will you counter the counter, right? And so you want to, you could have 20 different scenarios. Obviously, we're not, we don't want you to plan for every single one of them, but take the, you know, two or three most likely and, and script that. Step four, you're not doing homework just to do homework. You need to rehearse these critical phrases, right? Iron out your phrasing, role play with the friend, practice in front of a mirror or record yourself on your smartphone and say, hey, how's my body language? Is it, you know, am I, am I confident? Do I project confidence? Am I speaking in a, clear and relaxed tone to get my point across. Can I articulate my thoughts clearly effectively? And then step five, follow through because he didn't just do all his homework and say, okay, that's enough. And this is key because this is where you start to realize, hey, you know what? No plan survives to tech by reality. I'm going to have to improv a little bit. And maybe if I don't have courage, maybe I flip to curiosity, right? Maybe I just get curious about the situation if I'm not able to take it at all. Okay, well, let me just go in from the side and take a different angle and say, maybe I'll look at it a little different. Hey, can you help me understand what is it about cleaning your room that's so difficult? Well, you know, and then you start to learn some, then you can start to improve that. And then, yeah, now that you've gone through one iteration, right, you realize, hey, you know what? Even if it didn't go, 
like the way I wanted to. Now I have feedback I can study, right? And, oh, okay. Now do, how do I adjust my approach so that, you know, turn the dials a little differently, maybe use a different tone of voice, maybe I try a different approach. It's okay. Um, and at the very least, now that you've tried and failed, yeah, all you can do is get better. Failure doesn't mean you're done. Failure means you're not done, right? And that's another, you know, mindset switch. So nice, uh, nice. those are the five steps that I use. And I love it in that third step you include anticipating pushback. Uh, what do you <laughs> see as the benefit of anticipating that pushback? Yeah, yeah. So to zoom out for a second, there's a concept what's called a pre-mortem, right? And so like you basically ask yourself, if I have this goal in mind of like writing a book or I want to get in shape and you say, what could go wrong, right? And that's not, that's not unproductive pessimism. That's actually helpful pessimism because when you say, hey, what could go wrong? And you say, well, if I'm trying to write this book and I, and I allow distractions to get the best of me, if I'm playing Candy Crush on my phone or I just get lost in like Netflix binging, okay, that's time I'm not spending on writing my book. So now that I have an idea of the things that would get in the way of getting my project done, how will I prevent them or like change my routine so that these don't um, sabotage my efforts? Yeah. And I, I so, love it also. It's like, it puts you in the shoes of the other person as well. Like mm-hmm. if I say these things, what kind of response might I elicit? And I don't know if it's happened for you, Jerry, but for me, um, uh, Sometimes it's pointed out my own shortcomings in the situation. I identify, oh, this is where my thumbprint is in the situation as well. I've, I've done a horrible job of making sure this person was scheduled and communicated with in a way that worked for them. Ah, yeah, I got to be ready to own that. Yeah, it's like, yeah. <laughs> and and maybe even open with it. Like, I, I know on my end, this is where I've fallen short. What I want to do is bridge the gap with where you're behaving and, uh. And so I, I love that in p- anticipation of that pushback because it does force you to think of the other person's perspective. And I think that helps already start to bridge the gap before you even have the conversation. You're already starting to find some common ground inadvertently. Um, and so I just, that was something that stood out to me. And I love that you pointed out, you know, consider curiosity too, because you're looking at this from your perspective and maybe other people who've brought this issue to your attention, that person who's behaving in that way that you need to address may be totally clueless to the impact they're having, or maybe they're going through something that you don't know. Like, you know, maybe it's a coworker going through a divorce, just found out husband cheated on her and, uh, with college best friend. I don't I'm making this up guys. Uh, (laughs) it was very specific, Jerry. How did, (laughs) (laughs) um, names have been changed. I don't know. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) It happens though, where somebody's, you know, parent is terminally ill or somebody's child was in an accident. You know, we don't know, but a lot of times we might see what's going on outside the workplace start to manifest in the workplace. And then that shift in dynamic is just sort of feeding that. And, and that curiosity piece I feel is very huge because now you're inviting this person into a conversation. Let's shed some light. Let's get to some common ground. Let's get to a mutual purpose. We are, we're going to reestablish mutual respect and, uh, uh, yeah, and so where do where do you go from here once you've opened up? Like, tell me more about the the follow through. More about well, let me start over. <laughs> I wanted to ask like four things all at the same time. Yeah, go for uh, it. Yeah, let, let me focus on one. Though. The follow through, if you can clarify, is that having the had the conversation and then following up, or is the follow through more of just go and have the conversation, have that courage to go have the conversation? Yeah, yeah. Thanks for asking the clarification. Yes, this is just the actual conversation. Um, if I had to. Uh, yeah, 
modify my framework because yeah this isn't set in stone right i need to continually renovate yeah the sixth step would be evaluate and adjust right and just to say hey you know what if, 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 whether it went well or went poorly right reflect on that right take time to say hey you know what what worked well it's like okay y'all put them on the defense right as soon as you get someone on their heels uh they're probably going to dig in uh, you're like okay so don't lead off with how upset you are right Maybe you say, hey, I'm concerned. Or, hey, maybe you start off with reassurance, right? To say, hey, I'm having this conversation because I want us to have a good working relationship. And because I want to have that working relationship, there are a couple of difficult things uh, we need to work. Can you do this, right? Another thing is asking permission and just bringing that up, right? Hey, is now a good time to have this conversation? Because if the answer is no, it doesn't matter how much you game plan, you just have to wait. But at least... You're giving them, you're letting them have a say in this whole matter. Say, not just trying to pin someone on a wall. It's hey, we got to nail this right now, right? It is hey, open hands, collaborative, like you said. I do need to start with confrontation because we need to get your attention. And now that we agree on the problem, we're going to shift the same side of the table and attack this together. What do you see? Yeah, I've, and this is also true if you're inheriting a team, like you're taking over a team that, you know, you don't know what the dynamic was like before, but you got a lot of ground to cover to build some trust and build it quickly. And I remember taking over a team where uh, somebody just didn't seem to get uh, certain uh, reports done consistently, and and it was troubling to the people higher than me. And yeah, so I'm the guy who's the lucky guy who's got to go have that conversation with this employee because, you know, the person reported to me and I'd approached the person and brought up the issue. And it was very private, very cordial. And, and, uh, uh, but I recognized the other person was very defensive, like, oh man, you're, you're coming to hang me up to dry or, you know, you're going to fire me. And I'm like, no, we're talking about a report. <laughs> like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, um, you know, this is just a good skill to have, period. And it's one I struggle with as well. But here's the specific thing we're struggling with. Uh, and then I, I brought it up and I could just tell the person was scared. Like I was just there to blast the person and I had to let this person know uh, and reassure the person that, you know, I'm only bringing this up because I want to see you improve. I want to see you grow. I want to see this report to be, you know, the most dependable thing, if not one of the many dependable things we already do. Uh, and it's just, it, it's just one specific component. And then the person finally disclosed that, you know, it was a skill set this person didn't have and was afraid to bring it up. And I'm like, oh, well, I could show you real quick. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. And, the, and the person was like, really? I'm like, yeah. And you're like, you're not mad. I'm like, no, we were trying to fix a problem. Now, now it, is you really, if you get the time right now, I can show you now. We can set up time to do it later. It's like very, you're going to be so mad when you see how quick this is. And, and uh, she said, yeah, show me. And I showed her and she's like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah, that that's, that's all it is. She goes, I'm so embarrassed. I'm like, don't be, I didn't know how to do that until a few years ago. Um, and, but that was it. Like there was never a problem again. Uh, and then there was something else that, you know, there were skills that people just let her get away with not knowing. And over the years, just letting her know that we can always train for skill, you know, just, just face it. Uh, and it finally got to the point where the person would confide in me and tell me, Hey, I'm having trouble with this or I'm having trouble with that. I don't, I've tried this, this, and this to fix it. I don't know what to do. And, and so shifting from this person scared of me to this person now trusts me to come to me with any issues. She also learned that I don't just give the answer away. Like we start working through it because I, I need her to be able to do it when I'm not around. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. uh, and 
But it was just like those conflicts, though. I mean, they're, they're small, uh, but they were causing ripples outside of her and I that uh, she wasn't aware of, didn't have to know about. Um, and then I would go have the conversations with all these other folks like, hey, we figured it out. We got it nipped in the bud. Uh, it's going to be corrected. You'll see. <laughs> and sure enough, never an issue ever again. And uh, and, and so it just reinforced that you, you can come to us with issues and so on. Um, now. Oh man, we're running out of time. That ain't fair. That ain't fair. <laughs> so if people want more, they want you to come speak to their organization. Uh, let us know, like, what is the ideal organization you work with? Is it organization, individuals? How do we find you? All the good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. The, the heart that I have is for Asian American leaders, you know, that are in mid to level leadership positions, like C suite. Yeah. New leaders in their twenties and thirties, right? That realize, Hey, you know what? The rules I followed growing up aren't working anymore, right? Uh, the rules I followed in, you know, in my household don't apply well to school. They don't apply well to work. It's a different culture, things like that. And even the ones that are successful, right? To say, hey, I've gotten all these things that my mom and dad said I needed to be successful. And why am I not more satisfied, right? You realize you just graduated to a different set of challenges. So you could flip this in two ways. One is to work directly with the leaders in the the second is to work with organizations that employ these leaders and say, hey, you know what? You know, this Asian branch of our company, they keep saying things are fine every time we ask them, but then we find all these other problems. And then when we ask them about they, you know, we can't get them on the phone to discuss this because they <laughs> assume that we're just mad at them, you know, for not disclosing it to begin with. Right. And so, yeah, that's those are the two places that I would focus my time and energy on. The best way for people to get in touch with me is to visit the website adaptingleaders.com. There is a free guide that walks you through a case study with the five-step framework that we talked about today, adaptingleaders.com forward slash guide. Um, yeah. And then you can also read the free blog, book a complimentary 30-minute call. That's where all the goodies happen. You can also connect with me on LinkedIn, but yeah, all the, all the best benefits are accessible to you through adaptingleaders.com. Awesome. And then before we go, Jerry, any final words of wisdom? And I think just in line with everything we've talked about, you'd rather try and fail than not a child, right? To say, hey, you know what? Just see what happens and celebrate that, even if it doesn't go well. I think that's the bigger thing. Hey, celebrate your failure because now means you know how much you need to improve. <laughs> I love that. Love that. Jerry, it was great to have you on here. Uh, not just because your name is also Jerry and I get to say my own name in this episode, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. but great content. I know this is going to help a lot of folks in their own careers and uh, get them out of those those leadership ruts they may be facing. Thank you. Now, I hope you got a lot out of that conversation like I did. I know one of the takeaways for me was the importance of just having the internal courage to say, you know what? Speak up. Ask a question that needs to be asked so that everybody benefits from this. We're, we're serving others when we push the envelope in a sense, when we ask the question that everybody wants to ask, but it's not being asked and to do it in a tactful, respectful way. So that was my takeaway. What was yours? Now, you can go over to the show notes at beyondtherut.com slash 380 and leave a comment. I want to know what was your takeaway from this episode where we talked about conflict and overcoming some of our own limiting beliefs when it comes to leadership. What are the fears that you've overcome or need to overcome? I'd love to hear from you. Now, if you don't want to go all the way over to the show notes, but you're willing to send me an email, you could do that as well. Info at beyondtherut.com. I read my emails multiple times throughout the day, and 
that's what I do. So I'm glad you joined me in this episode, and I look forward to joining you again on the next one. But until next time, go live life beyond the rut. Take care. You know, the best thing I love about Cap Show is that they have one of the best communities ever. As a Cap Showian myself, I always get invited to masterminds with industry leaders to get the insights and marketing strategies that take my business to the next level. Plus, they love surprising and delighting us. Go to beyondtherut.com slash capshow, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day free trial with the Cap Show team today and join me inside that community.